0: I'm in a series on Jesus' words from the cross, the last things he said in in human flesh and blood. A couple weeks ago, we looked at, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Today, I want to talk about the promise of heaven, Luke 23, 39 through 43. The second thing he said from the cross was to the second thief hanging there beside him, he said, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. The promise of heaven. We're going to talk about heaven today. It's in uh, Luke 23, verse 39. This is what's happening. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? It, it occurred to me as I was reading this this week, this is two long sentences. This second thief on the cross said, and you've got to realize that he is gasping for breath in excruciating pain while he is speaking. Jesus' words, notice they're, they're shorter, um, just a few words in each, in each sentence. But this, this thief goes on for two long sentences because what he has to say is so important. Do you not fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he turned and said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Three sentences. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Father, unveil the truth of these words about heaven to us so that when the time comes for you to take us home or when Jesus comes again, we will be ready, ready and waiting. And everyone we love and everyone we have met will have had the opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and will be ready too. In your name we pray, amen. Have you ever wondered what heaven will be like? I tell you, the the older you grow, the more you wonder because the time is drawing nigh, isn't it? If you are going to heaven, you can't help but get excited to think about, to anticipate how wonderful it's going to be. And if you aren't going to heaven, you ought to at least have a passing curiosity about what you're missing out on. God help you. (laughs) No one has ever gone to heaven and come back and given a full and detailed report. So we have to speak of heaven in terms of poetry and symbols. And we talk about streets of gold and we talk about pearly gates and St. Peter standing beside it, guarding it. We talk about jewel walls and and, uh, just uh, angels with wings strumming harps and singing the most beautiful and glorious music You can imagine. Let me assure you, those concepts don't even begin to scratch the surface of how wonderful heaven is going to be. We cannot, in our finite minds, fathom its beauty and its brightness and its purity and the gloriousness of his music. I hear folks say some one time, if my hunting dog getting in heaven, it's not going to be heaven. Or if, if I can't play golf or if I can't fish or... If I can't do this, it's not going Let me tell you, when you get to heaven, you're going to be so overwhelmed by the glory and the beauty and the purity and the holiness of God. While you're singing his praises for 10,000 years, it won't seem like the passing of a split second. 10,000 years, we've no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. So we want to imagine what in the world is heaven going to be like. And in this second word from the cross, Jesus gives this thief a glimpse of what to expect. A little girl walked out one night and looked up into a beautiful starry sky and she said, if this is what the wrong side of heaven looks like, what must the right side of heaven look like? We see the underneath side. What must it look like on top? Jesus gives us a picture, and it's in the ugliness of the crucifixion, the horror of Calvary, that we learn about the beauty of heaven. While the crowd is mocking Jesus, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The first thief joins in and rails Christ along with the crowd, mocking him. And while that crowd is mocking, while the first thief is joining in, a second thief says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's a simple prayer. And Jesus turns and looks at him hanging there. (laughs) Today, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. What What does that mean for us? I've broken it down into three short phrases. Today, with me, in paradise. The first part is today. Today. In other words, this very minute, you'll be with me in paradise. Contrast the, the hatred and the horror of the cross with the love and the beauty of heaven. The agony of the present with the wonder of the future. What a stark contrast this thief hanging on the cross, was looking forward to with Jesus. Today you'll be with me. It's a word of comfort, first of all, because we don't like waiting. Let's just be honest. We don't like waiting. The Jewish people had a theology of waiting. When you die, the Jews believe that you go to a place called Sheol, which is kind of a, a holding area in preparation for a resurrection which will come sometime in the future. Jesus changed all that. He said, not sometime in the future, not next week. He said, today, no more aimless wandering around in some twilight existence called Sheol. Today, it's a word of comfort. Today, you'll be with Jesus in paradise when you die and when he takes you up with him. It's a word of comfort, but it's also a word of challenge. Because if we can be with Jesus in paradise today, what does that also mean? It also means you can be apart from Jesus in hell today. Presence with Jesus is heaven. Separation from Jesus is hell. And it happens immediately. The Catholics and the Mormons have something called purgatory. And purgatory is one more holding area. As a matter of fact, in the Middle Ages, the Catholics believed that you could pay someone, you could give money to the church and get someone out of purgatory into heaven. And that's how the Catholic Church raised so much money in the Middle Ages and why Martin Luther came up with the Reformation, reforming that theology. No, you can't buy someone's salvation who's in purgatory, he said. There is no purgatory. There is no shield. And so because there's comfort that happens immediately, there's also a challenge Are you ready? There is no in-between state. There is no second chance. When Jesus comes to take us home, it happens today. The comfort of today you'll be with me. And the challenge, are you ready? Are you ready? I hope everyone here today is ready and anticipating going to heaven one day. If not, you've you've got to confess your sins and believe in Jesus And let him come into your heart and cleanse you and save you and become your Lord and Savior. If you're watching by television, we have a deacon by the telephone. Call right now and let us counsel with you and guide you through the salvation experience that Jesus offers to us all. An evangelist came into a restaurant one day. It's an old story, but it makes the point. Well, he came into the restaurant and he made an announcement. He said, everybody who wants to go to heaven, raise your hand. Everybody who wants to go to heaven, raise your hand. And the whole restaurant, everybody in the restaurant raised their hand except an older gentleman sitting in back. And the evangelist, assuming that he didn't hear him, said, I said, if you want to go to heaven, raise your hand. And the man still didn't raise his hand. So evangelist worked his way back to him and said, are you telling me you don't want to go to heaven? And the man said, of course I want to go to heaven. I just thought you were getting up a load right now. I had a friend, and I think about this often. I'm ready, but I'm not in a hurry. Are you ready to go to heaven? You better be ready because when it happens, it's going to happen today. Immediately, what I mean by that, it's going to happen when Jesus comes, when you pass away, when you least expect it. It's going to happen. And Jesus says, immediately. Today. He also says, with me. A lot of people fear death because they think they're going to have to go through it alone. Jesus wants us to know we won't be alone. He'll be with us. You don't have to make that trip alone. I've heard, I've heard some pastors say, I can walk with you to the edge of the river, but I can't cross it with you. Well, the good news is that you don't have to because Jesus will be there to help you cross the river. He'll take your hand and He will guide you Gently home. I have been at the bedside of a lot of church members recently who have been close to death and dying. And it's, it's uncanny. I'll see them reach their hand up. What do you see? I see my husband. I see my, my grandmother. I see my father. And they're reaching their hand up. I see Jesus coming to take me home. And they raise their hand up knowing that Jesus is going to clasp it and bring him with them. If you die with faith, you can die without fear. Because Jesus says, you'll be with me. And if if he's with me, that means we're with him. We're not going to be alone. I hear people say, I'm not afraid of death. I'm just afraid of what I have to get through, what I have to go through to get there. Well, the truth is that Jesus is there with us every step of the way, and it's nothing to be afraid of. So he's going to be with us. When I was growing up, this, I was kind of shy. I'm still a little bit of an introvert, and I don't like going to parties very well, very much where I don't know anybody. And when you go to a party, what do you, you look for somebody you know, don't you? And you gravitate toward them, and you have fellowship with them, and you You're excited knowing somebody is there and you're not alone. That's the way it is with Jesus. When when Jesus tells us that he's going to take our hands and journey with us and and we're going to be with him and he's going to be with us, you know, the details, the descriptions of heaven don't really matter. If Jesus is going to be with me, it's going to be okay. Susan's been away on a trip this week. She was up in Jackson County somewhere, northeast Georgia, judging a choir festival. She got home late Friday night, about 10.30. So what did we do? Mr. Bobo and I went to the door, turned the lights on, welcomed her, got the luggage and brought it into the house and said, welcome home. That's what Jesus is going to do for us. There's going to be a reunion when we get to heaven of of our family members and friends who've preceded us. And and Jesus is going to take us and escort us to our mansion and and join us in the celebration of our homegoing. And it's going to be a wonderful time because the separation, seeing through a glass dimly, then face to face, we'll be able to behold the presence of God in all of its glory. Jesus says we're going to be with Him and it's going to happen today. And he says it's going to be paradise. What does that mean? Well, paradise is the Persian word for garden. The Greek phrase paradise, it meant an enclosed garden. You've got to remember the context in which Jesus is speaking. This is a desert wilderness. The the ancient Near East was mostly desert. And so their concept of heaven was a place where water was flowing freely, where there were gardens, where there were flowers, where there were birds singing, where there was plenty of water to drink and it was always fresh and clear and cool because in a hot environment, that's what you longed for most. And Jesus is turning to the thief that is hanging there beside him, whose throat is parched, who cannot breathe. The stench of death is around him. And Jesus is telling him it's going to be like it's going to be like paradise. It's everything you need to hear, to know that it's going to be okay. That's what heaven is going to be like, better than your wildest imagination can even fathom or think. An African American preacher was trying to translate the word heaven into his dialect because sometimes our words don't translate word for word and In a a tribe that has no word for heaven, how do you translate that? Well, his tribe walked around barefoot and they were constantly stepping on thorns that were sticking in their feet. And so he translated the word heaven as no more thorns. When we get to heaven, there'll be no more thorns. When we get to heaven, there'll be no more fear. When we get to heaven, whatever you need, whatever you lack, And this life is going to be provided for you in abundance. Whatever you desire will be there in fullness because God's glory will be surrounding you. One of my best friends in ministry, I've talked about him before, was William Benton. He was pastor of the First Baptist Church in York, South Carolina, when I was in South Carolina. And we, we traded January Bible studies and revivals and a lot of things together. He died in his early 40s of of cancer. I remember visiting him and just crying when I saw him because it looked like he had a volleyball in his stomach. The tumor had grown so large and we went to the men's clothing store and had to buy suspenders to hold his pants up because the belt wouldn't go around his stomach any longer. And he taught me a lot about living and he taught me a lot about dying. And I learned from him that the best way to die with faith is to practice living every day with faith. And the last time I saw William alive, he said, you know, I thought a lot about heaven and I don't know exactly what it's going to be like. He said, but I know it's going to be with Jesus and it's going to be okay. I know it's going to be with Jesus and it's going to be okay. Jesus gave us a glimpse of heaven in this second word from the cross. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. There's comfort there. There's comfort knowing that today Jesus is going to take us to paradise and it's going to be wonderful, but it's also a challenge that everyone should be ready to go to heaven when he comes and calls us home. And not just us selfishly, but but those with whom we come into contact. That's why Jesus left us here. If his purpose for us was to have a relationship with God, then why didn't he take us home the moment he saved us? Because he left us here to be a witness for him in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He left us here to be his witnesses, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so as the comfort that He will be with us. The challenge is, will you be ready? Will your family members be ready? Will your loved ones be ready? Will your neighbors be ready? If not, you have the perfect opportunity as we're leading up to Easter to invite them to church to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Easter is the time when those who are unchurched and unsaved will dare to venture in the doors of a local church and a personal invitation is the best way to get them here. Will you offer that in the coming weeks as you pray for those around you who do not know Jesus and who are not ready to hear the words, today you'll be with me in paradise from him. Years ago, a lot of you remember Bill and Sue Massingale. Sue Massingale used to write or, or put on a bulletin board downstairs in her Sunday school department a little phrase that would make them think that would calls them to to ponder what she had written up. And one day I was walking through that class and I saw in letters on the board in front, if you expect to answer when the roll is called up yonder, you better be present when the roll is called down here. If you expect to answer when the roll is called up yonder, you better be present when the roll is called down here. There's comfort And knowing that today we can be with Jesus in paradise when our time comes for him to call us home, but there's also a challenge that we're ready, that our family is ready, that our loved ones are ready, that our neighbors, our acquaintances are ready. No one, no one had given that second thief on the cross a prayer. But in the end, It's all he had. And in the end, it's all he needed. And that's why they call the one in the middle the Savior. Bow with me. God, I am ready. Not in a hurry, but I'm ready. And I just pray that everyone within the sound of my voice, within the relationships of those here today, is also ready. And as our paths cross, our sphere of influence in the coming weeks leading up to Easter, give us a boldness and the courage to share our faith, to invite people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, You've left us here for a reason. And it's to take as many people with us when you come and say, today is the time. Come go home with me. We're ready. Help us share that good news with others. In Jesus' name, amen.